Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. Wednesday means Leah Hextall and boy... Is she the woman of the hour after that game between Vegas and Calgary back on Sunday? Leah, congratulations. Tremendous job. Well, thank you so much, Don. I really do appreciate that, and I appreciate uh, you giving me the week off last week. Uh, You were very kind about it as I was traveling to Calgary to prepare for the game, but um, you know better than anyone, it's such a thrill to call what I believe to be the greatest sport on the earth at its highest level, and it was just the best time, and I hope I did enough to get to do it again. Yeah, no, it was a terrific job, too, and I know how emotional it was because Cassie kind of got you at the end of the broadcast about <laughs> how proud your dad would be, and I, I, I can certainly sympathize. I, I lost my dad when I was 28, so in the infancy of my career, so he wasn't able to see a lot of the things that I uh, accomplished, but I can echo um, um, what she said, Cassie, at the end about how proud your dad would be, and uh, I know you had tweeted out earlier that's the one regret is that he wouldn't be able to see it, but I'm sure he did from from a distance and and how proud he'd be for what you were able to accomplish. Oh, I I absolutely agree with you and and it was such a moment and we're very proud of it. It was a, you know, emotional day for my family, but you know, for my dad, he finally got that NHL shout out that he always wanted, but he wasn't <laughs> here to see it. So, uh, we all got a bit of a laugh out of that cuz he would have probably enjoyed that more than anything. You know, we don't do tweets this early, but Sean tweeted and I wanted to give this to you. Do you have a regular Wednesday guest prepared when Leah Hextall inevitably is a big shot calling nightly games and has no time for game misconduct? Well, first of all, I always remember my roots. I always remember the people that get me to where I'm going and the people that I enjoy being around, and that's you, sir. So I have a feeling that that's a long way off. I appreciate the compliment, but uh, don't worry about it. I'll I'll be kicking around on Wednesdays for quite a while, I'm sure. All right, let's dive into some subjects before we get to uh, the tweets at the end, because I know your time is very limited today because you're a very, very busy person. But um, this coronavirus, it's really just got everybody freaked out here in the States. I don't know how it is up in Canada, but we're already, I think, inevitably going to see games played in empty arenas. I think it may happen as, as early as the 19th when San Jose returns to town. I mean, wh- how how big a deal is it up there, and, and what's the conversation about the possibility of, of playing in empty arenas or postponing games in Canada? Well, it was very interesting, Don, because when I was calling the game in Calgary, we had some of our Sportsnet executives there, and they were just starting to receive word. That was the first day when the media availabilities had changed, and the fact that the teams were starting to close the dressing rooms, and that policy was coming out. What they were really dealing with was that it wasn't a blanket policy by the NHL, so different teams were doing different things. So they were trying to figure out what do they have access to for broadcast and what they don't. I mean, it's, it's the little things, right? Like you think about when you watch a game, how they have the shots of the players or the goaltender in the dressing room before the game in the open. And now they weren't able to do that. So they were finding out where they could do it, where they couldn't. So they were scrambling. But I really think that the NHL is scrambling. I think this is a day-to-day issue. They're going to have to wait and see for a lot of it. But I would agree with you. When you take a look at, you know, as heartbreaking as it was to see the World Women's Hockey Championship canceled in Halifax and over in Italy, uh, these women have been working so hard, and especially this year with everything they're going through 
through with the boycott. That was their big stage, and, and that's been cancelled. Um, the under-18s are in jeopardy. They're talking about the Men's World Championship, but that's not until May. Um, it's in Switzerland, and right now Switzerland was one of the first places to say anything with over a 1,000 people. They would no longer have it. We're seeing the KHL playoffs affected right now. So, you know, it's really interesting to me, but, you know, up here in Canada, I don't think we're at the heightened concern in the U.S. And I would suggest that that's because our media doesn't do here what perhaps it does in the United States. Um, here where I'm located in Manitoba, we haven't even had a case reported yet. Um, so, you know, we're taking it and we're, you know, we're taking it in stride. And uh, it's going to be interesting, though, because, uh, you know, San Jose is, is probably going to have to make a decision. You're going to have to make it sooner than later, I would assume. And it wasn't a suggestion there. They were demanding it. So um, we'll see what the Sharks end up doing. It's, it's very interesting. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, I, I, I would agree with everyone that you got to do what's the safest for all of, all of those involved. Yeah, and and there was a situation in the NBA last night that they were asked to cancel the game. The Warriors said they would not cancel the game. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets are in Ohio, where it's been strongly suggested by their governor not to play games, and the Blue Jackets said they're going to play anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, under precaution, the Devils sent out an email before their game at the Rock last night about the different precautions you should take and how you shouldn't be in attendance if you're compromised or you're elderly. So I think everybody's kind of doing their own thing. But I think what you have to do, even though I do think that there's people, uh, I might be leaning towards that it could be a little bit more media-driven, that it's blown out of proportion and all that. But, you know, the fact remains is is that, at least in the NHL for our purposes, you know, canceling game and moving games are difficult to do especially if these games have meaning for the playoffs. I just think it would just make sense for the Sharks, who might be up first here, to just play in an empty arena and and then get the game on the record and, and kind of move on from there. I think we all have to make personal sacrifices, Leah, and I think uh, that's the least that I guess the leagues can do if it just helps the situation rather than fight it and argue it and say it's overblown if your county or your district or your province says – that it's best you play in an empty arena. I just think it makes sense for these leagues to just abide. And the other part of this, too, John, is as we know, at the end of the day, sports is a business, and the almighty buck does reign supreme. And the World Health Organization has not made this a pandemic yet. So right now, if they do do that, then insurance, it changes insurance. It becomes null and void. So, you know, if your players are playing and there's a pandemic, and they're telling you not to, what does that do for insurances for teams if a player gets hurt? You know, this stems back to hockey-related revenues. I'm sure the players are saying they're going, listen, we don't want to be on the hook for 50-50 if we're not going to have any HRR because we're playing in empty rinks. But I agree with you. I think, you know, I think you could still have the television broadcasts occur and play in empty rinks. I mean, the TV ratings would go off the chart for a lot of teams. Right. Uh, you know, you never want to see it. But, I mean, at the... I still don't think, too, Don, is that there's there's a sense for me that we're all grown adults. We are very aware of the situation. And I'm not saying that people should put themselves in harm's way in any way, but you do have to take responsibility for your own health. And to your point, if you are compromised, and yes, maybe you shouldn't be going to where there's a place where there's 20,000 people. Um, wash your hands, all those type of things that, you know, they're telling us to do. But it's going to get very interesting. It's not a situation that I would want to find myself in because because I do think that some difficult um, decisions are going to have to be made. But, uh, you know, I think we could see a hockey game in an empty rink, you know, in the next month. Um, But it's going to be so interesting because we've got playoffs right around the corner. 
I know. If this were early in a season like baseball, you know, maybe they could afford to delay the start mm-hmm. of the season for a week or two until things blow over. But, you know, we've got teams down to their final dozen games, and you look at the races here. I know this is the toy store, and it's not important in the grand scheme of things, but, you know, certainly jobs are on the line and, and trying to get into the playoffs. So it's it's very difficult to just cancel games, just end the season. So um, trying to work these uh, these games in. Let's let's dive into some of these races because I think they're just they're fascinating, especially in the East with this wild card. You got Carolina, Columbus, the Islanders, the Rangers, and the Panthers all within three points of each other. Um, games are all pretty even. Columbus has played seventy, Carolina sixty eight, but everybody's within one or two games of each other. Is it flip a coin at this point, or, or do, are you feeling anything about the teams that I mentioned and say, all right, I think they're in trouble, or I think this team's definitely in? You know what? There is for me a big, uh, you know, I, I think it is a flip a coin situation. You know, just looking at it, and every night the standings are changing. And honestly, this is what you want at this time of year. You want the races to be heated. You want there to be things on the line, points on the line every night leading up to the playoffs. And quite frankly, I think if you're a team, you want that as well, especially for those teams that are trying to get in. I was speaking about this yesterday about the Winnipeg Jets. They've been battling for that wild card position, but they've started to play their best hockey of the season. And I think you're going to see a lot of these teams because they're in that playoff mentality already. If they can get in, that they will already be in that stride when the playoffs start. And that could definitely be a benefit for them. But, you know, I just look at, you know, even Toronto last night, huge win over Tampa Bay, second time they beat them this season. Uh, those are the type of games that you just look to build off of when you are struggling to maintain a playoff spot. But um, I really think it's flip a coin. I have to tell you, though, and you would know better than I, really impressed with what the New York Rangers have been able to pull off here right now and the fact that they are making some noise. Yeah, and that was a huge win. Against... the dark horse, but still, like, they're still right there. It's unbelievable. Yeah, without Kreider, and then they got Shesterkin back. He was awful on Saturday against the Devils, but bounced back, and I thought he was terrific last night in Dallas. Dallas is a team that now is winless in their last six, so that's something to take a look at. As you said, Winnipeg has won three, so how you're playing here. And I don't know if you're a big fan of goal differential. I remember Neil Smith told me years ago when I did a show with him, when they instituted the shootout, he's like, take a look at goal differential. That's a great way to determine how good a team is. And of the teams that we mentioned, you know, the Rangers are a plus 13, Carolina's a plus 29, Columbus minus 7. You know, um, so you, you look at those, and maybe that is an indicator that when we finally get to game 82, the teams that have that massive plus goal differential might be the ones that kind of float to the top here. Well, it's, you know, at the end of the day, you have to outscore your opponent to win, right? So you want to make sure that you are putting the puck in the net. But it is a good point. I mean, because if you are being able to put up the offense and, more importantly, holding the other team down, that would suggest that you're playing that complete game. Now, in the West, you brought up Winnipeg. Three in a row, plus 11 goal differential. Big win for Vancouver last night in the shootout over the Islanders. Yeah. Nashville has gotten hot with three in a row. Uh, Minnesota's won seven of their last ten. I think Arizona's kind of sunk. I mean, they played 70 games. They're three points, uh, four points off the pace, but they're still mathematically alive. Uh, who are you feeling good about out there? 
Well, I am feeling good about Winnipeg right now, and it's not a home bias, but it's just because they're finally healthy. I mean, Don, this is the team, the lineup. They've had so many injuries this season. They're in the top five of games lost to injury. And they're finally healthy besides Brian Little, who will not return this season. Even Mark Letestu, who had a heart issue at the beginning of the season and they didn't think they would see him, they have assigned him to the American League for a conditioning stint. So they're almost going to have their full complement. And with the way that Connor Hellebuck is playing, I yeah. mean, if this guy isn't a Vesna nominee, I don't know who should be. Um, he, the goaltending has been just dynamite. And they're feeling it right now. You see Adam Lowry come back from missing 20 games with an upper body injury. And what does he do? Massive hits and gets in a fight in the first period. This team knows that they need to set the tone and they're engaged right now. And I think about Nashville as the same way. Um, you know, I got to see Vegas and Calgary the other night and Vegas looks really good. I mean, I know that they were shut out in Winnipeg 4 nothing on Friday, but the last two games they've played well. Um, they don't give you a lot of room. It is unbelievable how quickly they turn around the puck. They are a really good-looking team right now. Um, you know, so in that wild-card race, it really is a crapshoot. I think it could be anyone. And I'm just, you know, honestly really impressed with Minnesota as well and the charges that they've made here considering the deadline and, and what they did. Yeah, and good thing they were able to hold on to Parisi, right? There was all these exactly. rumors that he was going to the Islanders, and, and he's been a goal-to-game guy here down the stretch too. So, yeah, I think Minnesota is going to make things very interesting outside of of that 7-3 loss to Los Angeles. And, and that's what's crazy to me. You know, we do we, we talk a lot of tanking here in the U.S. because of the NBA and the NFL with the importance of the draft. The NHL looks like the no-tank league, right? I mean, Detroit's played well. Ottawa's played very well. The Devils have been good down the stretch. The Kings have won six in a row. So it doesn't look like these teams are really tanking for playoff, for, for that first pick. They look like they just want to end the season strong. And the other part of that too, Don, is I think it really does help the fact that the NHL changed the way the draft was done to the percentage. And even if you finish last, yes, do you have the greatest odds? You do. But as we've seen over the last couple of years, it doesn't guarantee you that you're going to get that first overall pick or even that second overall pick. Um, so I think that does help it. But I also think, and, and Don, you've been around NHLers. You know these players. It just doesn't seem to be in their DNA to tank. There's just so much pride. And for a lot of these guys, they're playing for jobs. I mean, if you're a UFA coming up in the summer or you're a bottom six guy, you can't afford to go out there and just mail it in. This is a very competitive league. There's tons of parity. And I, I just, I don't think that the DNA of the players in the National Hockey League are made up to tank. No, absolutely. And these young kids and, uh, and, they play without pressure, and as you said, they're all trying to make teams, impress the team they're on, impress the team that might pick them up uh, during the off season. So, you know, it's been a lot of fun to watch some of these teams play well, and also you play that game right of looking at strength of schedule down the stretch, and you start to think, mm-hmm. all right, we got Ottawa, we got Detroit, we got L.A., we've got New Jersey, oh, we're going to win these games, and those are the teams that end up really sticking it to you at the end of the year. They do, and, and it was interesting because I was looking at some team schedules down the stretch, just to your point, to see what, what they still have coming up. You know, I was looking at Pittsburgh, and, you know, they lost that sixth game, and then they've kind of, you know, won two, lost two, and then they get a win. And, and I was looking at Toronto's schedule, and, and it, they're in tough down the stretch. Like, every team besides one they're playing is either chasing that wild card or are already in that playoff spot. So it's going to be interesting to see, like, even the teams that um, are holding a playoff position in the division right now, if they stay there, because there's some really tight races right now. It's I think this last, you know, 13, 12 games are going to be uh, just dynamite for fans more than anyone. All right. Want to get a couple of tweets before you go? Absolutely. 
Okay, uh, Dick says the Dallas Stars are struggling badly. What is holding them back, and where do you think they will finish in the playoffs? And I know you were high on them in the preseason, but mm-hmm. they look lost right now. Yeah, they do. They absolutely do. And it's interesting to me because their head coach, even Rick Bonus, said that they're not preparing properly for games. And when you have a head coach say that, it's a weird comment because, you know, as a coach, it's your job to have your team ready to play. So I'm not quite sure what that meant, and it confused me. And I, But that's where, you know, I look at it and I go, this team looks lost, and that's kind of a lost comment. So I'm not sure what's going on in Dallas because I, I was high on them. I am still high on them. They have the talent if they can just start getting it together to make all sorts of noise. But they're getting, you know, they're eight points back of Colorado now for second in the Central. So, um, And they have, yeah. you know, they're only four points up for that divisional spot over teams like Winnipeg. So they've got to figure it out, and they got to figure it out real quick because, you know, it's been a tough season in Dallas due to what happened with the head coaching change, and nobody saw that coming. But at the end of the day, they have so much talent, and they really shouldn't be at this time of year losing six straight games. And and the thing, I, I did the pre and post for that last night, Leah. I didn't even notice Sagan. And the only reason I noticed Ben was because he got into a fight with Brendan Smith. And we all agree that they're pretty top-heavy to begin with, but if Ben and Sagan are shut down and you got Radulov out of the lineup because he had the flu, they, they just can't afford to have that happen. And, you know, if, the, if their big guns aren't clicking, they're, they're just not getting the secondary and tertiary scoring to support. And they got the two goals after it was already 4 nothing in the third period. That's just not, that's not enough. No, it's not, and and you're absolutely correct that, you know, they are top-heavy in Dallas, but, you know, when you bring in a Pavelski, you know, you hope that you can start getting that, you know, secondary production, but they've had a lot of, you know, it just kind of feels like the wheels have kind of fallen off, and that's truly, that's not where you want to be. You want to be where a team like Philly is, where you're starting to peak at the exact right time and playing your best hockey of the season heading into the postseason. Now, speaking of which, that was an amazing game last night. Scoreless deep into the second period, but Boston gets the win on the road, so the nine-game winning streak is over. Just the sixth regulation loss for Philly at home. So Chris asks us, what's more likely, last night's Flyer-Bruins game, a preview of the Eastern Conference Final, or the playoffs will take place in empty arenas? <laughs> huh, that's, uh, that's a good one. Uh I, I'm going to say I don't think that's going to be the Eastern Conference Final, so I'll go really? with some empty arenas. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm still a big believer in Tampa. I, I really am. I think Tampa's going to show us something in the playoffs here, and uh, I'm ready to uh, see them kind of make a move. But I could be totally wrong. I, You know what? I would really enjoy seeing the Flyers and Bruins in the Eastern Conference Final. I think that would be a great, great matchup. Yeah, that'd be good. And Tampa's only won three of their last ten, losing last night to Toronto. As we were talking about, I know you got to run again. Congratulations on Sunday. Looking forward to seeing you do it uh, even more often. And also, you know, great job by everybody too. Uh, but not only for Sportsnet, but NBC Sportsnet for International Women's Day. I think everybody just did a terrific job. They did. It uh, it was exciting to see it done south of the border as well. And congrats to Kate Scott who called the game down mm-hmm. there. And uh, you know, hopefully, it doesn't have to be on International Women's Day. Hopefully, it just becomes right. the norm. All right. Have fun. We'll talk to you next week. All right, John. Thanks for the time. Bye-bye. All right, that's Leah Hextel. Joins us every Wednesday. Get a perspective from north of the border on what's happening up in Canada. And as we get closer and closer to the start of the playoffs, I had a few more tweets, but she had to run. She only had a very limited time uh, to give us. So I wanted to get um, a few more tweets in before uh, we say goodbye. Richard says, 
Uh, question, Captain Mika, agree that it's not if, then when, if the Rangers make the playoffs end of the regular season, otherwise before September training camp. You know, this is a very interesting question because after the five-goal game, I got a lot of tweets from people, a lot of calls on the Michael K show, Mika for captain, Mika for captain. I'm still not sure if I'm going to take it away from Kreider. I, I think both of them are very good captains. Both of them have really stepped up. Um, after McDonough left um, to, in that trade a couple of years ago, and Kreider has been the go-to guy, but now that he's been hurt, likely out for the year with the fractured foot, Mika has stepped up, and he has kind of controlled the conversation in that room. Ultimately, it's the players that are little, that will decide who the next captain is going to be, but I think either Kreider or Mika would be a great selection, and it'll probably be something that happens during the off season. Uh, again, because Kreider is out, so I don't know if you want to kind of have that distraction, let everything be the way that it is. They're so focused on these final 13 games, just making the playoffs anyway, that that's probably something that will be done during the course of the off season. I'm sure it wasn't done this year because of Kreider's contract situation would kind of knock him out of the box, right? You're not going to name him a captain, and then he bolts via free agency. But now that he's locked up, Mika's locked up, uh, you can really sit down and have that conversation. I'm a big fan of the players selecting their captain rather than the coach or management selecting the captain because I think ultimately the players are the ones that have to dictate who their leader is. So I think that will probably happen uh, after the season. Um, Robert Thee says, possibly playing games in empty arenas, what do you think about just limiting number of fans, maybe by lottery, and having them spread out in different sections? I don't think so. I, I think it's just easier right now to just have it be in front of an empty arena. I heard a conversation of maybe allowing some of the players' family to come to the game, just essential people. Because if you start allowing... Um, a certain number of people, like I don't even know what the number would be, putting it to a lottery. You know, that's probably meaning you're going to have to hire more people to be in the arena. They could still interact with one another. Uh, it's probably better to full go full bore and just um, have it be uh, completely empty of, of fans. Even the family situation kind of uh, makes it interesting, too, because I'm sure they're not going to spread out. They're all going to sit in the same section. Can So can they infect each other? It's it's such a weird thing, but just every day there's new information. Every day the panic seems to be amped up to the nth degree. Um, when you think it's over, there's even more, and we're still early enough in March where we're not really close to the weather warming up and when some of these viruses kind of slow down. So I think it's inevitable that it's going to happen. It's just a matter of what sport does it first. For our purposes, it looks like it's going to be the Sharks on the 19th, uh, but that's still a, a week away. So we still have a lot of conversation uh, before we get to that point. Uh, Dan asks, hey, Don, haven't heard Doc Emmer call a game in a while. Did I miss something? Is he still with NBC Sportsnet? Yes, he is still with NBC Sportsnet. He was supposed to call the Rangers Flyers a couple of weeks ago, but it um, I think got the flu or got sick, so Kenny had to slide over and do it, and that's why I was able to do it on the radio side. But he has limited his schedule um, quite a bit over the last few years, so he's not doing like every Wednesday game, every Saturday game, so he's kind of scaled it back to begin with. But no, he is still there, uh, and he was supposed to call again that game, the Rangers and the Flyers game, I think about a week and a half ago, but um, he was feeling ill, so he didn't call it. But everything is fine as far as I know. With Doc Ryan says, after a year full of surprises with the Rangers, which one do you guys think has the biggest impact so far? For me, I think it's Ryan Lindgren and Adam Fox, especially roles on the blue line. I agree with you. I mean, you could talk about 
Panarin being this good. Mika Zibanejad stepping up last night. He scored 40 goals in 56 games because, remember, he missed 13 games with a head injury earlier this year. That's the fastest any Ranger has gotten to 40 goals. So that's pretty incredible, the kind of season that he's having. And, of course, Panarin's been crazy. Just the ninth Ranger ever to have more than 60 assists in one season and the first left winger ever to do it. And Kako had a couple of goals last night, so he's he's getting warm right when they really need him. But I think you're right, Ryan, when you look at the way the game is built and the way that you need your blue line to not only contribute defensively but offensively, the Rangers have more points and goals by defensemen in any team in the NHL. Lindgren and Fox, especially Fox, are a part of that. So I don't think anybody expected these two players to play at the level that they're playing right now, and then the expectations are going to be through the roof because you know what? Um, they're going to be even better next year, and you're talking about a possible Norris Trophy winner in Fox. You really are, and Lingren being just a stud for the next decade. And D'Angelo is still a terrific player as well on the blue line, so they're set. And so I think that's where the surprises really have come. I think you got to really be phenomenally um, impressed with the way that they've played. Troy says, if we get Boston-Tampa in the playoffs... Um, will it be the most compelling matchup of the year? Then we did touch on that um, yesterday. I I wanted to give a little bit more thought on it because listen, we can have a first round matchup between Calgary and Edmonton. When was the last time we saw the Battle of Alberta? Right, I think that would be just a terrific, terrific matchup. So that kind of jumps at me as what would be a terrific matchup. But yeah, I mean, obviously Tampa and Boston kind of fall into that. Boy, it's a shame that that's our second round matchup when it should be uh, a conference final matchup. So yeah, for sure, um, that would be a terrific matchup. But to say that it would be the matchup of the playoffs, um, uh, I'm not really sure about that. And I think a rematch of Blues, Bruins, and the Stanley Cup Final, the way those two teams are playing, both the best in their respective conferences, uh, would be a terrific matchup as well to just be able to see that maybe rivalry build as they would meet again in the Stanley Cup Final. Well, let's go over the schedule. There are five games tonight. Rangers and the Avalanche. This is a tough spot for the Rangers, right? Second of back-to-backs. Avalanche haven't played, so they're waiting for their opponent. You know, Rangers got into Denver very late. For people that travel... Um, the airport's like 45 minutes to an hour outside of town, so they probably didn't get into their beds until probably like 3, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Now have to play one of the best teams in the NHL. But the Rangers have surprised quite a bit in these types of situations, so I wouldn't put a sheet over the Rangers just yet, but that's a tough spot. Then the Rangers will get a couple of days off leading into their game against Arizona to conclude the road trip. Um, the, the, the Sharks and the Blackhawks. Blackhawks, a slim possibility of making the playoffs, so this is a must-win for them. Jets and Oilers, to me, is the game of the night at 9 o'clock as the Jets right now still on the outside looking in but looking for their fourth consecutive win. Uh, the um, Oilers are three points back of Vegas for first place in the Pacific Division, but they have a game in hand, and it's this one, so they can close the gap. Blues and the Ducks. The Ducks have been pesky, but it's the second of back-to-backs for the uh, Anaheim Ducks who had to play last Last night at home against uh, the Senators, so that's a good spot for the Blues. And then the Senators, again, second of back-to-backs against the Kings, looking for their seventh consecutive win, which is just unbelievable. Again, thank you and congratulations to Leah Hextall on what she was able to accomplish on Sunday. So we'll talk to her again coming up next Wednesday. All right, Friday's always a big day preview. Another huge weekend of the NHL. We'll have our top five. Want to get in touch with me at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Thanks again to Leah Hextall. Thanks for everybody listening. Back with you again on Friday. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. Thanks for listening to the Game Misconduct podcast. Looking for more Don LaGreca? Hear him on the Michael K. Show weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. on 98.7 ESPN in New York. York and worldwide on the ESPN app.
And don't forget to subscribe to the Game Misconduct Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.